Greetings, nerds. This is Dana Nerd. Welcome to Wakanda. That's right. Tonight, you will finally hear our thoughts on Black Panther. With me, as always, is a man behind the scene, our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? I am doing very, very well, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, but you made me basically... All of my coherent thoughts were expressed during the pre-show, so... (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going... I'm I'm looking forward to muddling my way through this. That's right. <laughs> no, no, no. You 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 say I know you saved a lot of stuff. We just scratched the surface during the pre-show just to sort of help us both, you know, flesh out what uh, what we thought about the movie. Flesh out, yeah. Um, we and I say it like that because we spent a little bit talking about how today I rewatched Civil War and. You rewatched Civil War right before going to see Black Panther for the first time. That's correct. Yeah. And it's interesting because, I mean, everybody says the same thing coming out of Black Panther. This movie should be retitled and called Wakanda because that's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Black Panther is a small character in Wakanda. (laughs) Welcome to Wakanda. Welcome to Wakanda. Um, Wakanda forever. Yeah. Wakanda forever. And and it's great. And and so I got to thinking about it, like, why does that make so much sense? And why wasn't I mad that they didn't really explore T'Challa's character a lot more? And then I um, went back and rewatched Civil War. And it's because we already understand him. Mm-hmm. Like, we buy into him. We love him. And through what we were given in Civil War and you receive his motivation right then and there in that um, in that pivotal moment when his father passes. Yep. And and then he's given that mantle of the warrior. And then what Black Panther, the movie is really about is about him becoming king and what that means. And that mantle, not the warrior mantle, that's already been passed, but the, the mantle as king. And and that struggle in that journey. Yeah, I mean, I think you're 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 definitely on point there. Uh, one of you know, to take that a little further. I think um, this was not not only an origin story, you know, for him as king, but also I think it it really was very smart of the MCU to do a standalone film about this very, uh, very intriguing character because, um, you know, before in, in the MCU films, we've had external, um, villains and characters, uh, driving some of the action, you know, especially as far as the scope and scale. Mm -hmm. Um, but you really, I mean, but in this film, it was really, you know, grounded as far as scale to Wakanda, to uh, the uh, how it uh, interplays with the rest of of the world, uh, very being them being very isolationist and in some yeah. regards even xenophobic, and yeah. their interactions. And we saw that some in Civil War, but we really got a deeper understanding of that in, in this film. And, uh, you know, it really drove the story, especially uh, between T'Challa and uh, Killmonger, having that 
that deeper level of, of storytelling. You know, it, it's, it's a great metaphor for what a superhero deals with. Like if we think about Wakanda and the choice they made as a nation of what they did and isolated themselves, it's just like a, a superhero putting on their mask and mm-hmm. trying to keep secret that identity of mm-hmm. what they, who they really are from everybody around them because of the fear that if they, uh, the fear of exploitation. And that's freaking beautiful. <laughs> you know, that is, you're, you're not just talking about one person in this movie. You're talking about a nation. You're talking about a decision that they made as a group and yeah. they are haunted by, um, because it's their shared legacy. It's not one person mantle. And, and that's a concept that, other movies have not really explored. I mean, during our pre-show, we were talking a lot about the DCU and in Batman v Superman, there's a lot about Superman and his decisions of who he saves versus who he can't save. And mm-hmm. like, he has the ability to save everyone, but at the same time, if something goes wrong, it's his fault. And all of this, these nuances. And in a way, that's exactly what they explore in Black Panther, but not for just T'Challa, but for the nation as a whole Yeah. and the sacrifices they make and to, to really be, how should I put it? Um, to be, be aware about like, they have a lot to give, but a lot that can be taken away from them, yeah. a lot that can be, put in the wrong hands and cause more harm than good. And there's that responsibility to it. So I think that's very poetic. It is. It is. And, you know, and I think the the way the story was, was carried out and uh, executed really brought that extra level of depth that uh, one of the flaws that, that, and I don't want us to turn this into a MCU versus DECU, uh, but it is. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but I think, it, you know, what this film, uh, really pulls out was, you know, to get to your point, the nuance and the choices that were made and how you can tell a story using, using the superheroes as, uh, as a backdrop. Um, and, you know, to really get into the human condition as far as some of the, larger doubts, faults, uh, drives, and also uh, prejudices that people have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this film really adeptly did that and, 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 and a, a very um, new, you know, in a very stylistic way. I mean, it just got those points. Didn't hit you over, you know, sometimes, you know, movies can like hit you over the head with stuff, but this was just a very like, you know, very nice narrative almost, you know, I've heard many re- reviewers, uh, talk, you know, use the, use the term Shakespearean way of, of storytelling and, 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 and it's really not hyperbole to say that. I mean, it really does in a very modern way, you know, take those elements that, you know, so many people, you know, ascribe to Shakespeare, Shakespearean storytelling. And put it on a big screen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and in fact, this the movie itself opens 
um, <laughs> reminded me so much of Wonder Woman. <laughs> but <laughs> the opening sequence is really a father telling his son the story of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And great use of um, exposition, might I add. Mm-hmm. Um, really visually enticing. And um, you... It's that sentiment of storytelling that is so embedded into um, into heritage. Yes. And I think that's why they went that route. Yeah. Now, my question is, well, yeah. who was the father and who was the son in that sequence? Oh, um, gosh. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Do you think it's do you think it's T'Challa and his father, or do you think it's Eric and his father? You know that's a good question, and it could be either one. To be honest with you, um, I mean, I, I, you know, it's been a week, over a week since I, I've, I've seen the movie, so I don't remember in great, yeah, you know, remember in, in general detail about the story. The way the film played out, it, I, I mean, you can make you can make an argument that it's it's could be either one. Yes, yes. And I I I I would more like it to be Eric actually, Eric Killmonger, yeah. mm-hmm. because of who he is in the story yeah. and how you know, if if a kid the kid sounded like around eight or nine, I don't know, maybe that's maybe he sounded a bit younger, but still T'Challa, he knows Wakanda's history. He grew up in there. Why would he want to know it, maybe? And so I think it would almost align more with Eric Killmonger. I think and, so. Yeah, I think um, you're right. Especially when, because when you think about it, you know, you do, you know, we are introduced, you know, we see T'Chaka confront mm-hmm. his his brother, yeah. um, you know, shortly, you know, in, in the next sequence after that story is being told, has been told. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you, when you point it to, when you point it to that, in those terms, and also, um, you know, Eric being the, um, you know, and, and his brother, and, and Tachaka's brother um, being the outcast, uh, Njobu basically, you know, he still has a ties to his world, but he's been exposed to the larger world and realized that, you know, there's so much pain and suffering. And, you know, we have this Afro futuristic society, this utopia that we have cut off from our brothers and sisters. We need to get that out of Wakanda to the larger world. And I think that story at the beginning really brings that point forward and yeah so i think when, when you when you point when you point to out to me that way i think it was eric eric and uh uh Jobu telling him that right especially i i mean the part of the beauty about this movie and why i think a lot of the praise is right now um directed towards Michael B. Jordan and the character that is Eric Killmonger is because that the MCU curse of the villains has been slightly lifted. <laughs> you know? uh, I will say that, that slightly, actually it's been, it, 
It's been lifted. <laughs> yes. It's been, they can still screw it up in the next movie, they but could. for now. <laughs> <laughs> for now. Yeah. That's like, they, uh, they're like rapidly scrambling, like recutting the Infinity War. <laughs> right. yeah. I don't know. Josh Berlin, every time I see him in that trailer, I'm just like, yeah, this guy's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. Thanos is going to, yeah. I, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about that. I think uh, they, they have figured out their villain problem. Yeah, yeah, and they did it very, very smart in this movie because you have you have a parallel story going on um, where we had Civil War to really understand T'Challa, and this movie spends a great deal, or not a, not even a great deal of time, but just enough time to really for us as a viewer to understand Eric and all of his motivations and his perspective. And not only understand it, but almost to a degree sympathize with him mm-hmm. because he is that child left behind. Yeah. That that nephew who was forgotten about, who was lost in the shuffle um, because of his father and because of the choice that um, T'Chaka made way back when in that opening sequence. Um, and. And it was really interesting to watch that unravel as the story progresses. And you're you're really going into the movie thinking that Claw's going to be this big villain. Claw's uh, Andy Serkis does a great job. He is used perfectly mm-hmm. and then killed, which <laughs> me sitting in the theater, I'm like, yeah, that just happened. Yeah. He ain't coming back. He's well. not, yeah, he's not coming back at all. <laughs> And, you know, and, and, and also it deprived T'Challa of, you know, some level of vengeance, uh, for, mm-hmm. uh, Killmonger to, to do that. Um, so, you know, and it, which was a great story. I, I really liked the way they did that point because even, you know, whenever T'Challa was, you know, going to his coronation, he was already, you know, I love the way instead of everyone just taking, you know, just, a, you know, uh, allowing him to, you know, assume the mantle of king. You know, mm-hmm. you had another tribe. You had, you know, you had the other tribe, uh, Mabuku, like, challenge him. And he, it was a good way of throughout the story reminding us all the growing pains that T'Challa was having to encounter in his journey of becoming king of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an early, it wasn't an easy path for him. He, mm-hmm. his father was killed in civil war. He, he thinks he's going to have this easy path through a coronation, but no, it gets challenged. And then, uh, and, and got his, got his ass handed to him quite a few times while he was getting challenged in the, in the ritual, uh, ceremony. Right. And then right. you have, and then you have all those doubts keep coming up. You know, even his sister was like, don't hesitate when, when you when you see Nakia, or so again another point of like him having to him having to prove himself, and then you have um, Killmonger, you know you have Claw who did all this, who stole the vibranium, then he fails again mm-hmm. to take care of him. So right. it, it was great. It was a great way to open that door to like allow Killmonger to just enter in there and prove his. And prove his metal as far as you know. Hey, I can, you know, I can do this. I can take care of you guys in Wakanda. T'Challa can't. Right. I 
Okay, you opened a lot of doors, and I'm just trying to figure out which one to go into first yeah. okay. with all, everything you just said, because it's a great summary of a lot of what um, T'Challa goes through throughout the movie. Um, I, if, if we're talking about Claude, I found it interesting that you said it robbed him of some vengeance when it was actually Wakabi who mm-hmm. really wanted vengeance for what he did way back when. Like, I think T'Challa wanted it, but not on the same level, not by any means. True, true. Which makes sense considering everything he just went through in regards to Civil War, and he learns about what vengeance does to a person. Mm -hmm. Um, In that that final scene we see him in Civil War, he's talking about it, and he realizes, like, there's there's, – that seed of evil at the root of vengeance that'll turn a good person bad. And I think that's why you have him respond to both Wakabi and even Eric the way he does, because he sees that in both of them. He sees that these, his, his cousin and this, his best friend, who's pretty much a brother are being torn apart by this need to be, um, to have revenge for those that they've lost and all the pain that they've gone through, which is really interesting, especially when we're considering that those characters, all of those characters who felt that way are men mm-hmm. and the women deal with their emotions a little bit differently. And yeah. might I not add with a little bit of grease, <laughs> with a lot of grease, <laughs> with a <girl> of grease. <laughs> which is, it's fascinating. Um, what else did he say? I, I think I, I've heard that, and I understand the point that the trials mm-hmm. and having Mbaku um, come in and be that first, that first test for Chachala and having him, you feel like he's gonna um, fail, but then he makes a comeback and mm-hmm. he gets his crown. I don't I don't know if it was doubt though. I don't I don't know if I felt like he was doubting himself the whole time. No. So I'll, much as I'll think oh. I'll think more not so much the child doubted himself, but the other um other people in the the various tribes doubting him. Right. Yeah, and I and maybe that has to come from like who his father was mm-hmm. and the legacy his father um, left him with. And I I feel like that's that's what T'Challa's doing in this movie is coming, is grappling with, well, I'm king now. Do I adopt what my father did during his reign or do I carve a new path or is there another way? Um because he he learns so much about his father throughout mm-hmm. the movie that I feel like he he learns the good and the bad, mm-hmm. um, the decisions that he makes, and he tries to rectify. He tries to right a lot of wrongs, but in a way that won't put too many um, won't put his nation in harm's way. Right, right. Which is a hard hard thing to do. Um, but I love Imbaku. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Mbaku and Shuri were like the, the two like breakout uh, people in this film. I think. Yeah are are you done? I mean, no. are are you done? <laughs> <laughs> and 
And what are those? <laughs> <laughs> um, he he was he, he's interested because he also is on surface level a villain. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the head of a tribe that was not included, not um, that went away and became the outcasts of the Wakandian society. Yeah. And he has a ch- uh, chip on his shoulders, just like um, just like Eric Killmonger does at the same time, because he was not kicked out of Wakanda or his tribe and his people were not kicked out of Wakanda. He still there. There's still loyalty there. Yeah. There's still a an understanding about the 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 heritage that they are trying to cultivate and preserve in Wakanda that he respects, and and I think that's a really interesting quality to give to a character who could easily be your your sequel villain, you know, that yeah. you're setting up in the in the background. And also, goddamn, there is such a charm in Winston. Yeah. Winston Duke. Like, yes. first of all, great name. That's all awesome um, name, yeah. But yeah, there's such a charm that I'm just I'm just like, yeah. Is he your is he, is he your new Sterling? No. <laughs> 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 yeah, I've got to see him in a lot more things. Okay. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, I found Sterling came around to be very jarring in this movie for me. Also, <laughs> like, also, so please, please elaborate. Um, <laughs> it's just, I'm being an avid This Is Us watcher. It is very hard to see Randall outside of the Pearson family. <laughs> like, it's not as if this is before he did This Is Us or this is even before he did OJ. Right. It's, it's after it. So I, considering, you know, they always say TV actors are in your house every week. Mm-hmm. So you get to know these these characters on a whole different level than you get to know the characters in a film. Yeah. So for me, for you, it was probably like, oh, there's Sterling K. Brown or there's um Najabi. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I'm like, that's Randall. Why does he have that accent? <laughs> <laughs> well for me I was yeah, it was like Sterling and I'm like, damn he's such a comedian. I mean to go, you know, to play like Christopher Darden, <laughs> right? And then right. go completely like a hundred to like another country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But at the same I mean, time, it was like it took me a moment there whenever he first was on the screen to like rec- rec- you know to realize that was him, and then I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, the first moment was very jarring, yeah. but that my, one of my favorite, if not my favorite, scenes in the whole movie is the scene where Eric goes to the ancestral plane mm-hmm. and talks to his father. Oh, that was just so deep. I mean, that... And and that is why they hired Sterling K. Brown to yeah. do that little part in the movie because but, of that freaking yeah. scene. But it was so pivotal. Um, oh, my God. This, the Yeah, I mean, just the pain. It gets to something you said earlier uh, about Killmonger, about feeling sympathy. I think that, the, that sequence was where I felt, and why I think he is the most compelling MCU villain, 
Uh, mm-hmm. I actually, I did, I felt sympathy for this, this character. I, yeah. uh, honest to gosh, felt sympathy for Killmonger, uh, as far as all what he, what, you know, what he's dealt with, uh, his father being murdered, um, you know, being, you know, being fatherless. I mean, thank gosh I never had to deal with that, but, uh, that sense of loss and being to cast out and, but, you know, hearing these stories about this great utopian, society that has all this technology and, and, and great standard of living. And here I am in Oakland, barely hanging on. And then I get trained to be a killer. And it's like all the sense of loss that this character's had and that pathos that he just, yeah, I mean, I did. I felt like I felt genuine sympathy for, for Killmonger. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the scene itself is so, so so fascinating to me because you you finally you you get those two characters on the screen together which is needed and you are flashing back and you're cutting between Eric fully grown and Eric as a kid which is interesting because going into the scene you're you're thinking oh this is going to be like what Chicago T'Challa just did, mm-hmm. um, which we've seen, but it was completely different. It took him back to the place where he last saw his dad. Yeah. As a kid. Mm-hmm. And, and then you start to understand, like, who knows how much his dad told him about Wakanda before his death and how much he discovered about it after his death of this need to hold on to something um, that was left behind because his father got taken away from him at such a young age. Yeah. And I found it also like the dialogue worked on such a whole nother level in compared to other scenes where you have Najobi say no tears for me, which, which means that when T'Challa earlier in the movie goes to this plane, He's crying over mm-hmm. the loss of his father, and and you see that grieving, and so that means that one of the Panthers out there was Najobi, mm-hmm. witnessing this. Within, and, yep, yep. Yeah, and then you and you see that contrast between these two father son relationships, that that again these parallels just put this whole dynamic on another level that we haven't seen in an MCU movie. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, Loki and Thor, no. but I still, it's not, it's not the same it's emotional not. pathos that I got watching this movie. No, it's not. It's not. And the thing is, you know, with Loki and, and Thor, you know, there, it was built up over time through the course yeah. of several films. Because honestly, while I was just thinking about when I, whenever I was looking at our, at our, at our show notes and about this relationship, Loki, you know, when he was first introduced, he was, he was an interesting villain, but it was still that kind of one to two dimensional type of character. Mm-hmm. And over time through, you know, subsequent films, he has become a very fleshed out, interesting, interesting villain. But I mean, in the course of this one film, and I don't know if it's, I think it's a mixture of, not only the the way this this that Black Panther was written, but honestly, you know, Michael B. Jordan's performance uh, brought a lot to it as well. Made Killmonger such a a, a large a, a three dimensional full 
character that we don't typically get that in these these films in one in one film <laughs> you know can, you know you can build up to it like loki i think has built into that but if you're just looking at just a standalone like you know you know if it's a one-off which it looks like it is with Killmonger, um by a note by a hair i think i would say uh, at this point Killmonger is probably one and then and loki this is the second most compelling uh villain i hate, I hate to be the one to say this because I know a lot of people disagree with me about it, but I, to be perfectly honest, that's what we do here. Yep. I had issues with Michael B. Jordan's performance. Huh. I did. Like, it, it's not in every scene. Like, wh- he's in one of my favorite scenes of the movie, um, which his performance was great. Yeah. There was just, and I have to go and rewatch this movie, obviously, yep. but. There were a few scenes, especially the the ceremony scene where he won. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like the the shit talk was crap. <laughs> I'm, just like, I'm just like, you're saying these words, but do you actually mean them? I don't know why I don't believe you right now, but I really don't. <laughs> and there, there was just something about where he was saying that, where I'm just like, Art, this is so flat. Like, mm. I don't... I don't know why, but I mean, Michael B. Jordan does a great job on the more of the emotional, the the quieter moments when when it gets too loud and there's all of this other stuff going around him. I felt like his performance dropped. Like, I think throughout the movie, it it, it started off good and then it and, and then it peaked and then it kind of went a bit down the more action driven and the more in power and control he felt mm-hmm. I didn't see as much much depth and maybe that was a point maybe there is a point to saying like he finally got everything he wanted did mm-hmm. not know what to do with it though yeah I think you I think you got the point that's exactly where I think that is the point or one of the points is he, I came, I saw, I conquered. Now what do I do with it? Yeah. Well, I share with others and I make, and I make stupid orders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he shared with others. Because nobody's just, listening. <laughs> yeah. He just, yeah. I mean, he was going to make these orders and trying to just distribute wealth, but actually at the end of the day, he was just, it was too much for him. Mm-hmm. It was it was still about vengeance. Yeah. Like yeah, in, in that, point, those yeah. moments, he was still saying, if they if they claim legions elsewhere, if they're my enemy, then kill them. Yeah. Like that's all he wanted. He wanted to wipe out anybody who was going to be against him. Yeah, and it's such an allegory to the things going on in the world today. I mean, I think that's you know we see that and why i think this this character you know touches people on so on some levels because you know we do have that right right um, i i, I, I think gonna... oh go ahead yeah actually i thought you were going to say the the fight scene on the on the sonic rail <laughs> where it kind of kind of felt flat because i mean i will say for me that was if there were a place where i mean for both chadwick and uh michael's performance it did that one felt flat to me. That the the last fight sequence versus the one at the, at the ritual. Um, no, I actually blame the direction um, on that sequence mm-hmm. being flat. Um, I had my issues with that sequence. I I think I think they made they 
Ryan Coogler made a very smart decision um, with his third act. He decided, I'm going to go Civil War style on this, and I'm not going to have one war. I'm going to have, like, three different action sequences going, mm-hmm. playing out simultaneously. And that was a great decision. Yeah. I wish the CGI guys would help a brother out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They completely let him down. Yes, they did. <laughs> completely. <laughs> completely. Yes. Yes. I mean, it, that was, was yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was bad. It was just animated. It felt like, I think I, I texted, um, a friend of mine this. It felt like a combination of, and I think I might have even told you this, a video game meets the, um, a scene from Force Awakens. Yeah. Meets, um, there was something else about it. Oh, Avatar. Yeah. All at once. And, yeah, and you told was, me that, and I, I this week, we, I, yeah, we were, we were messaging back and forth, and I think yeah. I said it reminded me of the third, the last act of Guardians of the Galaxy two. Yep. Yeah, Guardians. Yeah, spot on that that too, and and I don't blame that on Chadwick or Michael B. I I blame it really on Ryan because he's the man behind the camera. So yeah, I think. Yeah. I think directing-wise, that's for him. My point about the performances, I feel like Eric Killmonger is a great character. I feel like put anybody else in that role, probably will get the same praise as Michael B. Jordan did. Mm. Um, I think with with exclusion of maybe one or two scenes. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I still feel like he's just a great character in that Michael B did what he did with the words, like what he was given and he, he played it great. Yeah. I just, there were, I had some, my issues. Like, I don't know why, but I'm noticing ADR a lot more these days. <laughs> <laughs> and there were some ADR moments where I'm like, really guys, you couldn't have just done another take there. Yeah. <laughs> like that's. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but man, we talked a whole lot about the men of Wakanda. Yeah. Let's talk about the real stars of the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we got some, we got some ladies. Yeah. We got some ladies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then you had Nakia and then, uh, the Shuri. Shuri. Yep. Shuri. Yeah. Yeah. So the ladies of Wakanda who need to team up with so many other badass chicks in the MCU. Yeah. Like, come on, where's yeah. that movie? Was, yeah, let's, yeah. When they, when they do the Black Widow film, this just add, take these three, Adam was Black Widow, and then, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about the, the, I don't want to say she, she's not the bottom of the three for me, but, well, she is for me, but yeah. Nakia, she, she had a, she's the romantic lead. Yeah. Um, and I, sh- this is the time when I do myself a disfer- disservice by learning about these characters before going to see the movie mm. because they never match up to what was the books because I read about this character. This character is really interesting. This yeah. character goes slightly a little bit crazy in the books. Yep. Um, she goes down a dark path and I was so excited. And maybe that's why I didn't, I wasn't rooting for her and T'Challa at all in this movie. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I see it, but I kind of want you to go a little bit dark. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not buying into it. 
And plus, I think that I just, I'm also like fingers crossed wanting to see Storm come to Wakanda and have that love story brought to screen. Yeah. Yeah. We could do that. We could do that. But, but I think, you know, this is you know, the age old thing of, well, we just, we also talked about this uh, a little bit in a pre-show was the, you know, the comic book purist versus allowing for, you know, artistic license in, in the film. And, um, I like the character, but Okoye was to me the, the more compelling of the female leads. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and also Shuri as well, just from a technical standpoint. I mean, obviously, you know, if, uh, if, if Robert Downey Jr. doesn't renew his contract with, with the MCU and he goes off into the sunset, yes, put her in the one in the Iron Man costume. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, but I thought the general was very, uh, just a very compelling character because she was like the conscious mm-hmm. of Wakanda. I mean, and the whole, and the whole like dynamic there, you know, as far as king versus country and duty and, and, and relationship and, you know, that intersection of all those points, especially when Killmonger took over and, you know, she had to make a choice. Do I follow one king or do I follow the other king? And, you know, she chose country. And she did, and it, it was very clear, she did not choose Killmonger as an individual. Mm-hmm. She chose to, she was going to defend Wakanda and what right. Wakanda meant. And in her own way, when, when everything went down, she was there to defend Wakanda. Yeah, and, and and it was just a very powerful thing about. To me, it was you know state versus individual, and she chose the state, and right. and the, and the society and, and trying to keep the society what she knows up, and um, you know I wish they had just I read about I guess they had they had cut a a scene between her and Wakabi. Uh, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, apparently it had really fleshed out that whole this whole thing that we were talking about now, especially you know given that Wakabi sided it with with uh, Eric with Eric, and I really wish they had kept that scene in there because I think apparently it gave a deeper context to uh, not only her choice but also what it, when they were on the battlefield why things their conversation went the way that it went. Yeah, I, you know, about her choosing her country, um, and I think why it's so powerful is it's not because we've never seen that debate before. I mean, last year we just, we spent an episode of this podcast talking about the Punisher, Mm -hmm. which is about veterans coming home from war and the choices and sacrifices they make because of orders Mm -hmm. that they have no control over. Yeah. But in this case, we're looking at a woman making that decision, Mm -hmm. making that sacrifice. And that is really where you have this, the general, as well as all of the women in the guard, um, really put to shame another crew we met last year called the Amazonians. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's like, that's, that's, 
so much more powerful and and I like how they chose to just really focus. We don't meet any of the other guards. We meet the general, the mm-hmm. most important one. Mm-hmm. And she's a three she's a um three-dimensional character and I agree with you. They should have kept that scene with Wakabi because Wakabi's character for me falls flat. Yeah. Like he I was so looking forward to this character this actor, I wanted him to have his moment in this movie. And they did that a disservice and they did a disservice to that final scene because you see it coming. Mm -hmm. There's a true conflict there. They, they were very subtle about it, but why, why remove the scene that really allows you to feel the conflict at the end when, when you keep like, no, you can't do that. That robs the viewers from really feeling that emotional impact when two people who love their country and love each other are at odds because of what has happened. Yep. And and to your point about her choice, um, th- there's the scene between her and Nikia, but there's also that moment where she realizes on the battlefield she's fully prepared to defend Eric until she sees T'Challa and realizes that the challenge is not over. Right. Yep. Therefore, she can still be loyal to who she wants to be loyal to and defend um, T'Challa. Mm-hmm. So I, and which I thought was again, just, just great storytelling yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and staying true to the character it did. because, if she had compromised, you, we would have thrown that character out the window. We'd have been like, yeah. Yeah. It would have been like, Wakabi. <laughs> no sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to your point, yeah, with Wakabi, yeah, I felt like, uh, he was like, uh, what's the character that Carl Urban played in, uh, Thor Ragnarok, who's basically flipped, you know, turned and. The executioner. Executioner, yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. watched that movie over the weekend again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what so I felt funny. about Wakabi. But, you know, get back to, to Okoye. Yeah, she, you know, you're, you're so right that she was true to her character and, and, and such a three dimensional character that, yeah, you know, I, I am looking forward to seeing her again in, in Infinity War. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, my favorite, and it sounds like is your second favorite, but my favorite is, um, Shuri. Yeah. I love Shuri. Um, she she pops mm-hmm. so much in this movie, mm-hmm. um, and the performance that Letitia Wright gives is brilliant, and um, and it's just and it's sparkling. Yeah. Um. She. But what I like almost like her character on alone alone is great, but what really I I found fascinating and intriguing about her is her chemistry with Chadwick. Like that sibling bond that they have, we don't get that in these movies. We get lone heroes with the the world on their shoulders, mm-hmm. struggling to find a way, and not somebody who's the kid sister, always pointing out the flaws in their plans, always trying to one up them. And and I have older brothers. I I get that that relationship and I and I was so happy to see it on screen and played out that way and I love the fact that they didn't go 
that third act, it wasn't about saving Nikira. It was about saving Shuri. Mm -hmm. Like, Eric was about to kill her. And T'Challa just was like, oh, hell no. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You do not touch my princess. And she's, I mean, everybody's saying now, the best Disney princess there is. Yeah. Um, and and I'm so looking forward to that day where she and Bucky get together. I mean, <laughs> I we got their wedding planned out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, you've got your Raylo, so now you're gonna do your Bucky and Sherry like fan fiction there. So, so take your take your Raylo. <laughs> I don't even know what I, I like how they um with her story. She's so warm and open mm-hmm. to everything. And you can, and you, I think that's due to how she's confined so much in the lab and yeah. in her technology that she views her brother, brother's uh, ability to go outside and have these other adventures. She, she like longs for that. And I like how they pair her up with Everett K. K. Ross, yeah. who's, the outsider brought in, and I I love that remark in the movie, like another white boy to fix up. Yep. And and that comes full circle at the end, where we were reminded that Bucky is in Wakanda yeah. and fully healed, and and now there's a constant speculation: is he or will he become the White Wolf, or was that just a tease that there is a White Wolf character in um that we have yet to meet? Well. I think I think they're going again, you know, take a comic con comic book character and like maybe fashion it into their own means. Um because the the White Wolf in the in the comics, if I recall, was actually an adoptive brother of T'Challa. Yeah. So um yeah, so I think they I think they're gonna take a little bit of liberty with that and you know, maybe you know Bucky goes from being a winter soldier to, to white wolf. Yeah, I mean Bucky and Steve, they had their romance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Steve just gone and replaces him <laughs> with Falcon. <laughs> yep. Falcon. So I mean I can't I can't fault him for moving on and starting a new bromance. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and and you know, we, we keep I, I'm sorry I keep doing this, but I'm just gonna go back to Civil War because again yep. that is if they were to do that, that would be fascinating considering majority of Civil War, these two characters were at odds with one yeah. another. Yeah. And and so so that's that's smart. And he kind of he kinda of is that kind of character that is looking for a home and looking for somebody to adopt them him into their their family. Mm-hmm. Um and plus, Sebastian Stan was probably will is willing to do these for for the next ten or fifteen years. So yeah. why, not? why not? Why not? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I I couldn't continue with more points. But I'll stop. I'm trying to contain myself. Will stop trying to get okay. me to go down All the right. dark path. All right, I'll pull you back. I'll pull you back. We were talking. Yeah, we're, let's let's talk about the current film and not plan out the next ones yet. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> You got storyboards. You got, yeah, I know. I know you already got, you know, you got Shuri and Bucky. You know, you've already got some ship. You know, you're shipping them already, and yeah. I even ship Shuri with Peter Parker. I I saw yeah, somebody you, post that on Twitter, and I'm I know, like, damn. Yeah, you sent that to me, and I was just like, yeah. I was like, uh huh. All right. You're, yeah, you're already 
You're already planning ahead for Affinity War. You're, 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 the, 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 the wheels are turning. <laughs> I just want two nerds to find themselves in this comic book world and fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Black Panther. <laughs> yeah. So Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I feel like we covered a lot. We did. I, yeah. We did, I mean, have we missed anything? Um, I don't, you know, other than the obvious, like the big takeaways, you know, as far as the, how well it's doing the box office and all the, you know, numbers and stuff. I mean, you know, that, that's, I'm sure plenty of other folks have, are talking about that as well, but, um, uh, I'm just looking forward to you know, seeing this character again, going back to Wakanda and, and Infinity War. Um, wonder how, you know, will we, was, was this one of those uh, movies where it was truly lightning in the bottle or will, will this, you know, will other filmmakers in the MCU look at Black Panther as they go through the next phases of the MCU and, and use it as a template to, to break up the, you know, the the storytelling mold that um, has has been cast, you know, has become on upon the tenth anniversary of the MCU. Yeah, it, you know, it this next phase of Marvel films will be interesting. I mean, to your point, it'll be um, that much more fascinating to watch what they do with Captain Marvel because mm-hmm. that's really the next standalone movie that we're going to see within the next two or three years. I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming up, but that's a sequel. That's right. not a, here's a new character guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we have Spider-Man two and probably black Panther two and closing out Avengers yeah. before the next phase. So I, I think it'll be, Really, Captain Marvel will be able to prove how much this was lightning in the bottle versus um, versus something that can continue moving forward as they set up and hopefully introduce more characters. Because I feel like that's that's the potential longevity of the MGCU is to continue mm-hmm. bringing us new characters and telling new stories um, and then having them all team up. And then go their separate ways. Yep. <laughs> and then all team up. Yep, and go separate <laughs> That's ways. needed as well. Yep. <laughs> and, but, make sure, and make sure if, if uh, any of the MCU producers are listening to us, you know, should make one of Sarah's films. I think it has the potential <laughs> to, you know, hit $500 million on the first weekend. <laughs> yes, yes, because Will would buy all of those tickets. I would, Absolutely. I would, totally would. <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I'm curious to know. I, I'm, I'm waiting. I remember in 2014 when they unveiled the slate. Mm-hmm. They brought out Chadwick. They, they acknowledged that they were going to do this along with a whole bunch of movies. We're, we're approaching very quickly the end of that slate that was announced four years ago. Yeah, we are. And so as we approach it, it's kind of like, well, what will they do next Yeah. besides the obvious? Right, right. Well, one thing I do, did appreciate about Black Panther was it had the appropriate scale. You know, with the Avengers films, it's always, you know, 
you run into the issue of how do you top like the grand, you know, finale, big stakes, and all that kind of stuff. And where you know here it was the scope was just right as far as, and, I, and a part of it I know it is because it's a standalone film. Um, but I think you know it would it would do them well to even with the big ensemble films. Um, you know, really, and I really look at what this film did well as far as storytelling. Look at how you can construct a very compelling three-dimensional character. And and I think really when I think about it, um, you know, there's been two standalone films recently with MCU that has done well with with good three-dimensional characters, and that's also with Vulture and Spider-Man: Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, they have a good template as far as, you know, how you can do this, in, in, you know, in these films. So you have Vulture, you have Killmonger and, you know, and, and, and Loki has developed into that very well developed three dimensional villain as well. So, you know, again, I think they just need to look at those strong points of all of those, all those individual villains and, um, you know, use that as a model for, for moving forward. I almost wish that Michael B would have gone back and watched that scene between, um, Michael Keaton mm. and Tom Holland in the mm. car. Oh, where yes. he threatens the oh, life. Oh God. Yeah. Like, it was like, chilling. that is shit talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I, I I was afraid in the theater. Whatever. <laughs> I had chills of Mike going up and down when I was watching that sequence. I mean, if anything uh-huh. stands out for Spider-Man: Homecoming, that definitely does. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the iconic moments. Yeah. Because I mean, that's not a perfect movie, and I would, and Black Panther, I think, is a better movie than that movie. But like the moments are always interesting to compare what works well in one and what doesn't work in another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I still don't know if they have that formula. Like, I think that there's, there's so many factors involved in that formula that um, have to go right. Like yeah. you have to have the right script. You have to have the right pathos developed. And then you have to have that right actor who can really take that, mm-hmm. those lines to the next level um to really work um so and i feel like they're still fine-tuning you know yeah so so we'll see and and then again it's just like what characters guys what are you gonna do next i want i want that question answered um because i feel like like 2014 I'll, i'll never forget when i was hearing about that slate there was such a a revitalization in Mm -hmm. the way we felt about the MCU at that moment. Um, and just like, Oh my God, this is a bigger, bigger than just filmmaking. It's bigger than just universe building. It's just this, this massive excitement, Mm -hmm. um, fully based on speculation. And so I'm waiting for, for, for them to do another one of those and to, revitalize us because I feel like after, especially after this next Avengers, they're going to need to do something that really makes us all go. Wow. Yeah. 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 They are. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, 
But we'll, we'll see with Black Panther 2 if um, the first one was lightning in a bottle. Because I, I'm, I think everybody's going into Black Panther to being like, what are you gonna do opening weekend? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, part of me is just sort of like, let's let it stand alone. It just, just you know, don't, you know. But you know, uh, you know, if Ryan comes back, I know I saw where he decided not to do Creed too. Um, but um, but hopefully, if he comes back and uh, brings uh, Joe. Um, screenwriter with them and reassembles the band again. I mean, I, I can't, I can, you know, they can, uh, you know, they can, they can replicate what they did and just get and hire a good visual effects company and then we'll all be good. Hire and also hire the stunt coordinators who did Captain America 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who are the same guys who did John Wick. Hire yeah. them because I, I think Despite my criticism about Ryan Coogler, I think he has it in him to do really good hand-to-hand combat. I don't know why he didn't stick with that, though. Yeah. I felt like he tried to make the fight sequences more more extravagant than they needed to be, which, because he has all of this technology and this is the world he's building, I get it, but... Yeah. The more he put into that to really highlight the technology, the more it felt like a video game as opposed to a really good action sequence that's well thought out. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of people are criticizing right now the suit because, and those sequences, the suit was kind of all over the place. And then you watch civil war and you're like, now that's the suit we were promised. Where was that? Where was that suit? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The, The Russo brothers shouldn't be the only one who can, ones who can do this well. So why not? So I think I think he just needs to hopefully if he was to return for the sequel, he was would admit like, okay, I, I now that I've introduced all of this concepts and people buy into it, I don't have to take it that far. I can yeah. I can make these moments much more powerful but on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we shall see. We shall. And I think I think that's it um, for us tonight. Will, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me in Wakanda at Will M. Polk. That's at W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me on Twitter at SJBelmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on both iTunes and SoundCloud. We will be back next time with the Arrowverse. Um, We got a few guest hosts coming up, and we will see you then. Good night. Geek out. You're welcome.